Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the Tritech Games Podcast, your podcast where you go through all the portals in the Prime platform and you go, wait, we went from jungle to desert to a place with laser pistols and barbarians? Yes. Tonight we are continuing our series of adding Fringeworthy 2 with the Galarian setting for the Pathfinder role-playing game. Of course, this is the property of Paizo. And... Oh, okay, yes. Uh, They are a huge contributor to Gen Con. Now, the reason why... First of all, Bruce is off this evening, so it is myself, John, and Professor Pixie doing this. The past three years at Gen Con, I've been running the Fringes of Galarian as one of my games. Basically, it is adding Fringeworthy to the Pathfinder default setting. And so, I actually placed the Pathfinder world in the Portals books. Now, I use Positive 107 Prime, which is listed as Halloween. Now, the reason why I did this, and I'll read the blurb that Rich typed up for this particular world. The warp opens onto a hilltop in the middle of a cemetery. The area is covered in ancient stones and overgrown with pumpkin vines and pumpkins. There is a full moon and dogs are howling. After exploring the area, a road that can be found that takes explorers to another cemetery. Several of the roads will lead to a lit stone house and a large and ill-tempered groundskeeper who is very disturbed at the intrusion. He will shout in a Swedish dialect and brandish a shovel. There is a 16th century culture here. Now, in Galarian, and I got to remember exactly where this was here. Yes. Positive 107? Yes, positive one, or I'm sorry, negative 107, my bad. Negative 107. I, I, I didn't have the book directly in front of me when I looked, and then when I pulled it over, as soon as you pointed out, I was like, oh, crap, yeah, that's, yeah, negative 107, Halloween is the listing on the portals page. Now, the reason why I picked it based on that blurb and that describes what uh, Portal 8, Cool Muddy Hillslide, I think he meant hillside. In Galarian, there is a sort of Ravenloft-esque country known as Ustalov. Where, and they, they even list in the Intersea World Guide as a gothic setting. And so, from there, once I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, it's like Ustalov. Yeah, I remember adventuring with uh, 
my friends Jerry and Carrie in that setting. Fine. It's very Ravenloft-esque, and just everything fell into place. I decided to, okay, this world, I'm going to put the Pathfinder setting here in my own multiverse for Fringeworthy. So tonight we are going to break down at least what I put, and as I said, this is just my doing. It's a suggestion. If you find someplace better that would fit the Pathfinder setting, even if it's an alt, that's fine. This is just a what-if suggestions for players and GMs out there that are listening tonight. As I said, I've been running the Fringes of Galarian for 2012, yeah, 2013, 14, and 15. I did not go to Gen Con this year, but it is an ongoing series. It's my longest running Gen Con series that I've done. And I'm sure everybody that was there that knows you're usually there doing it missed that it missed it. Well, I mean, it's not like I had people beating down my door saying, you know, Trav, why didn't you run the game? It's like, but it is my longest running one. And then I did Whoa. two years of Maze World, and then I started Talbot's Raiders this past year. So, yeah, this is my default Gen Con game. This is the one I, I came up with to say, yeah, let's do this. And it worked great. The third one is the one where I got the standing ovation at the end of running the session. So apparently it's a hit. Now, we will be exploring where the prime portals go, where I place them in the Galarian setting. And I even made up a system list, and I basically paralleled that to Earth Prime's system platform because there are books part of the Pathfinder setting, called Distant Worlds and People of the Stars. And they both deal with Galarian solar system, which is almost like Earth's. An extra planet here or there. Something that may have gotten caught into the gravitational, the elliptical loops, but originally was not part of the solar system. So we're going to start off with this. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I, we can reference, there's, there's the Pathfinder wiki, Dot com and it's yes. also the uh, D20 PFSRD.com. Let's do it again D20 PFSRD D20 Paul Franks uh, Sarah Ronald David.com. <laughs> yeah, it D20 Pathfinder System Resource Document. Yeah, the 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 PFSRD. the Pathfinder Wiki is a bit more. Um, it's 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 certain the tome of a like the um, oh um the Star Trek one uh, Memory Alpha. Okay, yeah. It's more like okay, yeah, yeah. This is our history versus this is how things work. Right. So it's more fluff as opposed to crunch. Yeah. The PFSRD is more the crunch wiki. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Now. As I said, made this a prime. Oh, Josie's looking at me. Uh, fluff and crunch. Fluff would be like if you were to have a story about the setting, crunches game mechanics. Like for Bureau 13 D20, I wrote a lot of the fluff text, which was the Team Candlestick stuff. The, yes. The, the fluff stuff, the stories about right. the people and... Crunches, how things actually work. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 The Pathfinder Wiki is a bit like a wiki that would that would, that might exist on 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 uh, on this world. <laughs> okay. 
So you know, so it's 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 one of those metafiction things. It's a it's a wiki, yeah. but it's a wiki that someone on this world would 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 write. Oh, so they wrote it in the tone of an inhabitant. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, that's different. That's good. All right. Now, as I said, I put this on negative 107 prime. And there are eight... The eight portals are each listed. And I will give accordingly where I place them. And I use the inner sea region. Now, yes, I know that there is the Dragon Empire's Gazetteer... And that actually, I used that to run my third Fringes of Galarian game. But I concentrated it all in the inner sea region because that is the default part of Galarian. The Dragon Empires, which is basically the equivalent to the East Asian type settings. Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Um, That came out later. It came out a couple years later. They decided to do something like that. So, yeah, I stuck specifically with the Inner Sea region. I have the Inner Sea World Guide, which comes with the full-color Inner Sea region map. And so I had that help me out as far as plotting where the portals are. Now, now when I go by portal 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, 1 and 2 are at the 1 and... The uh, one and two o'clock positions, three and four are at the four and five o'clock positions, five and six are at the seven and eight o'clock positions, and seven and eight are at the ten and eleven o'clock positions. If you were standing at the portal leading toward the alt platform, that is how Rich has the portals marked in that clockwork fashion. And if you're looking at the D20 version, it's we use um, instead of using position, we use uh, it's two o'clock, three o'clock. So it's portal two, portal three. Okay. All right. So Seacoast Town is the fir- is portal one. Now I put that in a town near a town called Albatross in the nation of Nadal, N I D A L. That albatross, what type of flavor? It's bleeding bloody albatross flavor. Yeah. All right. Now, Nadal Nadal is, and as I said, this is page 134 of the Intersea World Guide. Shadowy Servitor State, perfectly controlled by the Umbral Court, but almost is never enough. Eternally fearful of losing its mandate from the Midnight Lord, the court tightens its grip even more firmly around the blasphemers who sing praises to Desna, who trade in diabolical secrets, or who would dare usurp the supremacy of Zonkruthan. Yes, so this is yeah, Albatross. This quiet port town leans over ragged coastal cliffs like a contemplative suicide. That's a lovely image here. Um... While home to fewer than 400 people, the town's namesake seabirds congregate in a population several times that. The traditions of the Stormy Point's simple fisherfolk hold the birds in high regard, with the eldest residents claiming to be able to foretell coming storms, deaths, and ill omens in the flight of the dusky flocks. So yeah, so if you go through Portal 1, you're going to be outside this little fishing town on a cliff. And medieval-level technology for the most part. I mean, these guys... I mean, the first contact you're going to... If you're going to be doing recon, 
you're going to be seeing kind of sheltered and quiet and they keep to themselves and you're not going to get a lot of big conversationalists. It's because this nation of Nadal apparently is under the control of a higher power known as the Umbral Court. Now, let me go to the back of the page. I have all the pages marked for... The Umbral Court. Umbral Court. Sounds dark. Well, yeah. Um, it's not even in the index. Wow. Okay. Ugh. Formed at the dawn of the Age of Darkness, the Umbral Court is the name of the Cuthonite aristocracy who rules the nation of Nidal with an iron fist. That's from the Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I love the capital city, Pangolias. You think you have pangolins there? Maybe. Okay. Um, oh, they are subjugated to the nation of Chiliacs. Ah. So they all got Chiliacs, huh? Chiliacs. And I have the map here on my table. Yeah, Chiliacs is on the northern coast of the Inner Sea, and Nidal is just north of that. So, th- so they're basically they are sub- they are a subjugated race then. Yeah, it's a well. They are separated by the Men- Menadorn Mountains. So, I mean, you have to go through like mountain passes and stuff to get to it. But they can just travel via the sea. Um, Albatross is a basically it's a coastal town, and the portal would be like just a few miles off the coast. And you would come out of it, and you would be there near that town, like just outside of. Oh, so, so it's a warp on the on the land, then. Yeah, yeah. I think I did. I put all of these as warps just to be. Who well, I don't. As I said, it's been a year since I've worked with the setting because the last time I run this game was in 2015 at Gen Con. But yeah, I do believe everything but Numeria are warps, and obviously we'll get to Numeria later, and you'll. If you are unfamiliar with the setting, you'll find out why I made that a portal. But yeah, it's going to be a very, basically a very dark, sequestered kind of people. You know, they keep to themselves. They don't, you know, they were quiet. They don't talk much, you know. And so, not exactly a lot of information will be gotten. I mean, most people, like if you have an anthropologist on the team, they'll look around and just see the people and say, yeah, these people are under an iron thumb. These guys are, you know, not, they're not going to be real. They're not good conversations. Right, they're not going to be very forthcoming on a lot of information out of fear of some type of reprisal. So are, so I'm reading through, reading the, um, the, uh, the, the little, the short law entry here in the Wikipedia, and they're saying the residents of Albatross claim to be able to predict weather foretell ill omens, and see the approach of death simply by observing and interpreting the flight of these birds. Yeah, yeah. They, so so here's a question. If they can spot omens and stuff like that, could they potentially know someone's coming for a visit? Maybe. they would, And it would, it would be something like somebody will be walking from the coast in strange garb with weapons from the south. And, you know, they will be asking questions. It'll be something, you know, most most 
omens like that are very... Yeah, and that's something we probably we should mention. Yes, you will find firearms here. You'll find things that make your hair turn white. Yeah, we will get into that later as far as where the portals go. Um, well, it, it maybe give an idea of the tech, of the range of tech levels. It's all the way from medieval, which is what PL3. Well, heck, it's all the way from hunter-gatherer. We're talking zero to seven if you go D20 parlance. More of that later. But yeah, it's a wide range of tech levels on this world. But thankfully, most of them are isolated. And just to be clarified, it's seven in usage, not in manufacture. Right, yeah. As I said, we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. But yeah, yeah, Nadal, if you come here, it's just basically a very somber, quiet place. Mm -hmm. A little seacoast village. As I said, it's 400 people. Yeah, I'm looking at the map. Unfortunately, the map here in the wiki doesn't actually show where Albatross is. Yeah, I just sort of had to place it on the coast of Nadal, about central. Yeah, there there is no listing on the major map. Bay, there's this bay. They near that bay just north of Nirosh? The little curve. I, I put it on the island that's just off that peninsula north of Nirosh. Okay. Yeah. Didn't say it was on an island, didn't say it wasn't, so I just put it there. All right. Until I find something, you know, a little more definitive. Well, let's see. Let me look at the, the map here. Oh, it is on that island. Yeah, on the page 136. Yes, it is. As said, folks, it's been a year since I've messed with this particular... And there are better maps out there. Trust me, I'm looking at other maps, and none of them actually show that much detail. Yeah, like... the, inner sea wor the Inner Sea World Guide... By Paizo, and it was written by, oh, well, project lead was James Jacobs. There's like about 20 contributing authors here. But yeah, so that would be where I'm getting this information from. So that is Portal 1. Portal 2, Forested Beach, outside Throne Step, Rasmaran. Now, Rasmaran, Theocracy of the Living God. Uh, the northeastern shores of Lake and Carthen have always been a turbulent place. For centuries, this land was part of the unruly river kingdoms, changing hands dozens of times from one burgeoning prince to the next. All of that changed 47 years ago when the living god Razmir came to the shores and claimed his dominion in the world of mortals. Now, Throne Step, founded in... 4672 AR, the Kingdom of Throne Step was built to be Razmir's capital, a task that a small army of laborers accomplished with astounding rapidity. Sitting on the shores of Lake Incarthen, the city was meant to be a paradise for its faithful. Built using rich woods and imported stone, the buildings of Razmir's capital features leering images of its mass visage. Throne Step attracts thousands of the poor who flock to Razmir hoping for his blessing. Most never leave the city, taking up residence in scoring slums, where they hope to one day see the god and personally petition him for aid. As a result, the city can be easily divided into two districts. The first is the Steps District, where Razmir and his faithful enjoy all the delights the world has offered. The Steps is a place of absolute decadence and debauchery. The second, by far the largest district, is the Stones, where the poor live in squalor and filth. Many hope that they will be part of the choosing, a weekly ceremony where five people are chosen to speak with Razmir. Little do the poor know that these chosen are planted by the faithful and the entire ceremony is a fraud. So you might be coming up if you come through the portal, Portal 2, Forest Beach, and you make it to this town. 
uh, it's going to be very kind of the you know the the cathedrals with gargoyles on and everything. And you got to watch it. in this world. The gargoyles may just be real. I mean, this is a fantasy setting after a while, and you'll be seeing this very decadent, opulent city with a bunch of with a huge tent city around it. It may have a wall around it, but outside that wall, there's like thousands of shanties and lean-tos and tents and, you know, makeshift buildings all waiting to get into the city. And so, IDET comes upon this, United comes upon this, and they're going to be like, okay, there's definitely something going on here where there is this massive tensity around this otherwise kind of well this wouldn't be gothic per se well let's see uh throne step yeah is on the coast on the shore of lake and carthen which let me get the big map yes it is lake and carthen is a central lake within the continent of the inner sea so there's thrones right on right on the shore. Yep, and I put the the just south on the coast. I put that warp there. So you travel maybe a couple miles north and you'll be approaching throne step. Or you'll be seeing all these dark robed priests walking around and oh, what is the population of They they don't tell populations here and that that kind of bugs me but well, wait a second. I was looking. They actually were giving some populations for some places, like 388 for Albatross. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, let's see. It's in the be- in the beginning of the section here. Oh, no, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, uh, 17,340, which is considered a large city. So, yeah, it, it's a pretty hopping place here, but you're going to definitely tell that it is a theocratic dictatorship. Because it is led by this living god, Razmir. Yeah, which looking him up, he's only a twelfth level no, nineteenth level wizard. You can take only, him. Only. Yeah. Only. <laughs> yeah, never mind that he can just sit there and do, you know, some type of force field or, you know, mage armor or something and bullets are bouncing off him. Yeah. Mm. Um, as we said, guns do work in this setting. Yeah, that that's uh, that's, so, that's that's when you use that's when you use the BZ rounds. And that would be... That's an hallucinogenic gas. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes, because that's what we need, a 19th level wizard hallucinating his enemies and just firing everything. Ah, every- uh, but then yeah. he hallucinates his, his allies as being en- enemies, too. Okay, that is the last thing we need. Yeah. <laughs> no. Lightning bolts for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. All right. So you're throwing, throwing you so you're, you're shooting down my idea of how to take take him out. I also probably would hit him with like CNDM, which is a, a tear gas slash. Well, yeah, I mean, just I mean, it's kind of a kind of a hail mary thing. Let's do this and hope it works type plan. You know. <laughs> well, no, my gamers have come up with weirder stuff. So. All right. <laughs> oh wow! I'm looking at the map of the place. It, it, definitely, the first thing you'll notice that it had it. If you're from, I'm looking at the map of of um, no, that, what, this, step. No, show what? No, I want throne step. Throne step, you stupid thing. Is that throne step? No. <laughs> okay. Goodness. Um. Yeah, but Google is not my friend today. 
your Google Foo. Your Google Foo is not strong. Yes. Uh, I was looking to see if they actually had a city map. They didn't. Oh well. Yeah. It was, oh, maps of glory. Uh, okay. How you pronounce it again? Throne Step. No, 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 no. The, the name of the world again? Galarian. Galarian. Thank you. There. Actually, I found a uh, Google map. It doesn't go down too far, but yeah, okay. Uh, I was hoping uh, the, the 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 thing I found um, it, it was a star fort, which would give you a big big hint right at that point. Unfortunately, it's someplace else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, the third portal, farm field stubble. Okay, not not sure what Rich meant by that, but I guess like little patches of. Well, yeah, I mean, plants popping up through the soil. Yeah, basically, you know, Richard sometimes writes descriptions. This is what you would see after a harvest. Yeah, okay. So it's farmlands. So I put that north of Edme in the nation of Galt. Now, Galt. John Galt? Charles de Galt. No, Galt, no. <laughs> Galt is a west or eastern nation in the inner sea region. Oh, uh, there it is. And actually, it's not that far from uh, Rasmaran. Now, the portal is just north of Edme, which Edme is on the northeastern part of the Boarwood. Now, Galt it's listed as Eternal Revolution. It's a dangerous place for strangers, for in this land of endless revolution, mobs are always on the hunt for traitors, be they real or imagined. There are many reasons how an adventurer might risk his neck to enter Galt. When the nation fell into its current cycle of revolutions, people from all walks of life, from nobles and merchants to wizards and clerics, were forced to flee in great haste. Some left behind priceless treasures, irreplaceable heirlooms, or half-finished research. Others were separated from friends or relatives, and a few seek to reclaim the souls of loved ones from the guillotines known as the Final Blades. Adventurers may, might offer their aid in exchange for gold or simply see justice done, but perhaps they seek to claim as their own the abandoned treasures of those who fled the nation. Many opportunities wait in the chaos of the endless revolution and just as many dangers. Basically, French Revolution type country. That will be the that will be the first thing you see when you you get. Well, worse than that is it's the um, it's the uh, the first government sounds like of the French after the French Revolution. The uh, what was it again? Because they were executing everyone left and right. Well, it kind of sounds like let's see. Uh, Galt has seen more than a dozen governments rise and fall since Hositter's death, and all they have shared is bloodshed, chaos, and eventual collapse. Yeah. Now, Edme... Ooh, it's a big city. 13,600 people. Once heralded across Avistan as a center of culture, learning, and enlightenment, Edme today is an example of the dangers of unchecked intellectualism. I never thought that being smart was a bad thing. Apparently, here's that exception to the rule. For the spark of revolution struck first in lecture halls, dormitories, and salons of Edme's academia, and the arsonists of Edme lit a fire that spread throughout the whole of Galt, burning tens of thousands to ashes as it raged through the decades. Edme was home to the firebrand philosopher Hosetter, who served as deans of the town's influential Torin Academy. His soul rests in Razor Jenny, a final blade situated in the old university quadrangle. 
In the last decade, relentless pestilence in the surrounding grasslands has made food scarce and the people desperate. Crime runs rampant in Edme, and with formerly honest citizens looting the homes of their neighbors simply to survive. A cunning vigilante known as the Red Raven, a jewel thief of great renown, the hero of the revolution, keeps watch over the streets of Edme, protecting its common citizens from predatory criminals. Despite his efforts, a growing number of outlaws flock to the scene in the hopes of claiming it as their own. Yeah. Oh, my Uh, God. This setting would be very good if you have the book Ultimate Intrigue, which introduces the vigilante core class, which basically it's a masked Avenger of some type. And you wear this costume and you are actually, it gives you very high magical bonuses to hide your identity. Like if you wear this costume, you have like a plus 20 disguise bonus to not be known that it's, you know, really, oh, it's this peasant farmer. No, here he's, you know, the red fox or the gray bat or whatever. You know, it's that type of scarlet pimpernel type class. This, this setting, be, this setting would be very good to have the ultimate intrigue book. Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm looking at him, and you know, as a child, Eric's parents were taken by the mysterious Grey Gardeners and executed under under the final blade, named Madame Magary. The orphan boy. Okay, it's Batman. It's Batman. Yeah, yes. uh, <laughs> I am the Red Raven. This is my town. It, it is that type of type of. Scarlet Pimpernel, that era of France type setting. Um, if you are familiar with the old Greyhawk setting, you could see certain things were influenced by his that uh, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson said, "Oh, let's mix in Aztecs and this, and we'll make this," or you know, Norwegian and this, and make this. The Pathfinder. Nations and cultures, they kind of slap you in the face. There's like, no, it's not a little bit of this. It's pretty much you're getting beat with a clue by four. No, the Galt is the French Revolution. Androvia is the American Revolution. The Mwangi Expanse is Africa with dinosaurs. You know, I mean, it, it, they kind of, you know, beat you over the head with it. You know where it came from. There's no pretense on it being anything else. But yeah, Portal 3, you would be coming out on this type of French Revolution-esque. And again, so far, this is all, at the most, PL2 technology. If you have any PL3, it would be considered experimental and, and you know, the, the realm of crackpot geniuses. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of the Red Raven. He's basically sort of a cross between Batman and um, uh, Assassin's Creed. Okay. All right. Speaking of the Mwangi Expanse, that is where Portal 4 will take you. Tropical Swamp. Jeha, yeah, Jeha in the Mwangi Expanse. Now, the Mwangi Expanse is somewhere on this map. Yeah, it, it's basically... It is. It's Africa with dinosaurs. Lord Greystone will be right, well, well, well here because he has McKembe, the McCookie McKembe. Yeah, he would. He would if the Victorians were to come out through this portal. Oh no, they would. They'd be like, yeah, this is just like the Congo. Yeah, except the fact that there are dinosaurs and there is well, well, there's dinosaurs on Venus. So yeah. All right. So, Jaha. Jaha. 
Jaha. Yep. Couldn't read my own writing. I had to get to the book. Stories speak of Jaha, the great crumbling city at the heart of the northern jungles, a bewildering array of terraced forests and fortresses and irregular courtyards. This vine-covered, many-terraced wonder city is said to have been raised from the black earth in an age before humans, or even elves, by unknown beings of great height and singular proportions now since long dead or departed. I'm sorry, right there, that smacks of uh, the giant civilizations in Zendrick on Eberron. Just, I'm seeing a similarity there. That, that's just me. Eberron is one of my favorite settings. It, it, red flag popped up there. The crumbling city, which teems with life above silent tombs that predate the Earthfall, is ruled by the paranoid, wild-eyed astrologer remnants of the Lur- Lurgeni, a people wiped from the face of Galarian by disaster, madness, and suicide. The star-seeking mystics of Lurgen have spoke of Jaha in prophecy and dogma, recognizing the ruins' importance in the past and the future. After the Eye of Abendago destroyed Lurgen and most of its orthodox theocrats, a rogue faction of Lurgeni astrologers lent a splinter group of refugees to Jaha. By sword and axe, the Lurgeni pacified the degenerate, primitive lizard folk inhabiting the city before reclaiming the ruined structure from the jungle. Yeah, you're going to be coming here, and it's going to be... Okay, Africa, and I'm seeing a little bit of, like, South American rainforest thrown in. Yeah, but with elves and dwarves. <clears throat> yeah. Well, these Lurgeni are of an ancient called the Eye of Abendago just out of curiosity, is basically a massive swirling whirlpool and it is in the Arcadian Ocean on the western part of the Inner Sea. And it's in... It's surrounded by Rahadum, the Sodden Lands, and the Shackles. The Shackles are like a little archipelago that come off a peninsula. Uh, Skulls and Shackles Adventure Path is where that is based at. And so... The Mwangi Expanse is in the, directly in the, as you're going inland from the Sodden Lands, you get past the Natsumi, Matsu, that, Natsun Mountains, and you're in the Mwangi Expanse. Jaha is in the northern part, and the portal is just north of Jaha, where I placed it. Yeah, so looking at the Wikipedia, they say 5,000 humans and 600 lizard folks as slaves. Yeah, yeah. They ca- as I said, they came in and passed by the lizard folk, and they're ah. basically now just slave labor. And it's a thumar- it's a thumar- uh... Countless tri- Okay, the government. Countless tribal strongmen, isolated utopian enclaves, lost kingdoms, bizarre cults, unorganized nomad bands, and one enraged guerrilla king. Well, I'm saying Jaha is uh, is a thermocracy. It's basically mage's rule. I'm sorry, that just sounded funny. Yeah, but the giant gorilla. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ruthazek, gorilla king. Yeah. Let's see. Where did they? Ruthazek. Oh, that's an Usaro. Which Usaro, uh, it's farther south than Jihad. It looks to be about 300 miles you're trekking through jungle. Oh, they actually. Like ha- South American rainforest to find Usaro. Its walls decorated with tattered standards and human skin drums. Benighted Usaro has been ruled but since time out of mind by the Gorilla Kings. Basically, it's kind of an evil version of Gorilla City. Okay, so I'm looking, they drew a map, they put north on the right. 
So that's the first thing. But if you look at the big map, it should be pointing to the north. It should be uh, should be actually should be, north is actually the op- is at right angles of that. It should actually should be the bottom of the map for the city. I love. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, the Gorilla King. Oh wow, Can you have a picture of him. Oh yeah, it is on page one twenty nine of the Fantasy oh, yes. World Guide. Yeah, he's mm. not somebody I would want to mess with, and I'm sure that. A gorilla king, and he's walking around. You're probably sure he's probably sentient. He's not just ruling, you know, might makes right. He probably has a brain and a higher intelligence. He'd probably be considered a monstrous oh, humanoid. That might throw off some. Um, it, it's worse than that. Personnel, and you might get that one comic book geek. Oh, kind of like Gorilla Grodd is, he's, you know, disarming you. And by disarming, I don't mean forcibly ripping your gun out of your hand. Yeah. Uh, actually, reading the wiki, they have a little spoiler there. The current holder of the title is a pre- is a previously human dire ape. He used to be human. Either polymorphed or... Yeah, polymorphed, because reincarnate does not work where you turn to a dire ape. He was polymorphed. Yeah. Either against his will or he, or he had it done intentionally. Yeah, he's only a 14th level fighter. Only. What is this only with 14th level fighter? And then you have... I'm talking, I'm talking player characters. They, they <clears> go, <throat> he's only 14th level? I mean, that's if I was a player character and playing playing this game for a while, my char- if my character is not already 20th level... Well, yeah. Let's see. But yeah, so the Mwangi Expanse is a, it's sort of a mix of Africa and South America. You're going to have a lot of tribes like the Yanomami. You're going to have a lot of tribes like ones that live in the African rainforest. And then, of course, you have T-Rexes running around. Matter of fact, the default picture on page 126 are two adventurers in a rowboat with a T-Rex running after them down a river with waterfalls behind them. Yeah, not an afternoon well spent. Don't he show some elves in the sides with the blo- with firing off uh, blow darts at him or something like that? You know? uh, no, not I see. No, no. It's just a big T-Rex and two guys in a rowboat realizing that made, they made a very poor choice. Yeah. Also realizing that T-Rex's feet make great paddles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those type of feet. They Well, this water... Yeah, I mean, they're going in the boat, but I mean, look how a T-Rex is. They step. They're not swimming at all. They're just making big splashes. But yeah, these two guys, it's like that South Park meme. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad time. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Now, number five, Portal 5, Harvest Bonfire. Here we go. Titan Bay, Numeria. Now, we've mentioned that there is high tech on this world. Numeria is a northern nation. Well, I'll just set it over here. I'm charging it right now. This barbarian nation, thousands of years ago, had this massive starship enter the atmosphere, break apart in re-entry, and just dot the landscape in Numeria. A couple of those starship pieces became the capital and another city, Starfall and... I want to get the name right. Silvermount. Now, now we have mentioned that the tech levels bounce all over the chart. 
These starships are PL-7, gravity age technology, nanotech, energy weapons, power armor, um, cloning, cybernetics. You come in Idenvay, and Idenvay is a small town, and it, it's a portal. It's not a warp. This portal is there. These people in Idenvay, now this is from the, the Pathfinder supplement, People of the River. Idenvay is a very small town, and they're on the southern border of Numeria. They really don't want anything to do with technology. They stay away from the portal. They just realize it's there. They figured portal is another piece of this technology that's part of it's littered all over the landscape. Again, this is my addition to it. Now, Iden Bay, as I said, they're they're quiet folk. They don't want no trouble. If they see guns, they're gonna look and see, okay, yeah, these guys have tech. You might not be treated very well in Iden Bay. You might want to hide your tech if you're you do recon and you poke through the portal. Problem is, I put the portal kind of right near town. So yeah, they're gonna you're you're kind of become a spectacle. But Numeria, yeah, the barbarians here are known as Kelid. I mean, they're the Hardian barbarian race, you know, that not quite Viking, but more dark haired. The Numerians are, they were simple people until the starship crash. Then people start exploring. Wizards started reverse engineering things. A group of wizards became known as the Technic League. These guys. Yeah, they're they're not the good guys. They currently keep the leader of the Kelid people. There, there's there's nanofluids leaking from these ships. Some people have not been all that bright and actually drank them, and besides getting visions, they also become addicted. Basically, the Technic League is keeping, and I'm blanking on the name of the leader, but basically the the Black Sovereign. While the Black Sovereign may sit on the throne, it's a Technic League that rules in Numeria. Basically, they keep him doped up, and he's sitting on the throne every so often, you know, how can I put this as delicately as possible for our younger? Indulging himself in lots of vice. And we'll leave it at that. The, the Technic League is the power behind the throne. But because Bay is such a town that they don't want, we don't want no trouble. We're good. Just leave us be. Coming through the portal is going to cause a problem. And you're going to see that as soon as they start looking and seeing you guys have tech, they're going to want, it's like, just walk back through the portal because we don't, we don't want no trouble here. Now the Technic League comes in. They have these giant, ro- well, not giant robots. They're probably medium to large called Gearsmen. Now the Gearsmen are pretty much the shock troops. The Technic League learned to get them, you know, running and going. And they've got, you know, a pike that can run a charge through. And they've got, you know, if they touch you, they can shock you. And they're pretty much probably five, 600 pound robots. And so 
if you they see the gearsmen coming, they'll the the, the people I unveil will be like, please just go. These guys are going to cause trouble. If you're not here, they may go away. But Numeria is where you're going to be finding, due to all of these various pieces of starships that have crashed all over the landscape, you're going to be having, and this is in the technology guide. This is a book that Paizo put out, and it's pretty much there. Okay, this is our word on how tech works here. This, you know, that's it. It's um, canon. You have now they already have an ultimate combat firearms. They don't have any ruling, unless you go to third party, for like automatic weapons, modern-day firearms. This stuff goes right to what would be PL-6 and PL-7 technology. Energy weapons, gyrojet weapons, um, cybernetics, pharmaceuticals, various other technological equipment that is higher than our current technology. So if, and of course, you know, if it's taken through the portal, it's going to short out. All Numerian technology which the race that came from the stars is known as Androphan. All Androphan technology are run by these coin-sized batteries that have 10 charges each. And you, just, you pop it out, you pop a new one in. Problem is, this technology has also been there for thousands of years, so there is a chance that it will be glitchy, just from they fall into disrepair. Now, if the Technic League or some Numerian citizen has the skills to repair it, i.e. taking craft mechanical and using the proper feats, he can repair these technological items and they will work. Problem is, you have to remember, this is a PL2 medieval culture. Context. So, Unida and IDET would come in and they would see, yeah, they seem to be afraid of our technology and then see one of these gearsmen, you know, running in. And they, they do clomp along at a good, at a good pace, they're going to be a little scared. Now, if you were to go exploring through Numeria, off in the, on the horizon and up in the mountains and everything, you're going to see these crashed starship hulks all over the place. And you're going to be dealing with technology that is beyond Earth Primes. Because, let's see, negative 107 Prime, that's a late... You're going to get out there in the late setting. The late campaign setting. So by this time, they're PL7. So there's a lot of stuff in Numeria that they're going to find in these hulks or various, some towns may have technology. Um, Maybe on par with uh, Earth Prime, except for the androids walking around. There are androids, they are a playable player character race in Pathfinder. They are centered in Numeria, but they can be found, if they travel, they can found, be found all through the inner sea region. They look almost human, except every so often, like a little blue circuitry pattern might run up a cheek or down an arm. And there is nanotech inside them, which is definitely PL7. So yeah, uh, coming through that that Portal 5, yeah, this is where probably, in a way, many Earth Primers will feel at home because they might start seeing things that would have that technology. Because there are fusion reactors, there are geothermal reactors. And if you go into, if you manage to start exploring these ships, if you go through this portal, you're going to be finding 
various types of reactors that, you know, fission, fusion, geothermal, solar. And in the technology guide, they list how much they power and what happens if you tamper with them. Safety and, zones around them. Yeah, the <laughs> big explosion. Bad things? Yeah. You know, you, then you get that one, you know, like, Didi, oh, what's this button do? No, Didi. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Numeria, I, I've always been a fan, you know, that whole analogy that Bruce does of chocolate and peanut butter. I'm willing to throw some tech into my fantasy. And so, oh, yeah, Josie's here nodding emphatically, yeah. Um, but, yes, this setting was plopped into this world for those people who like it. Now, there are other areas of the inner sea region which also deal with technology, something a little closer to home. Uh, I didn't put a portal near in one of those, but there's one near one. Because the next portal, Portal 6, stone ruins with Egypt in parentheses. Now, in the inner sea region, there is a very Egypt-esque land called Osirion. Oh. What a giveaway. Good name. <laughs> that name. Yeah, Osiris. Yeah, I know. It, it, again. That was, I know very little about this, the, and I caught the, that. The clue by four, yeah. Yeah, it, if, you're a, if you're a history fan, if you know anything of, of world history, like, yeah, okay, and you just... Yeah, Osirion, I put it near the ruins of Tumen. Now, Tumen is east of the capital of Sothis. Now, Sothis is unique in that, yeah, it's a major metropolitan city in this desert, desert nation on the south shore of the Inner Sea. The center of the city is built inside a giant beetle's carcass. If you look at it, and it's here, it's on... That must be a really big beetle. Oh, yeah. Which which one, Paul or uh, Ringo? I don't know. Uh, well, let's see. Sophos, considering it's 111989 and I will, show, I will show Josie the picture. That is Sophos, that is the beetle. That's a big that beetle. That is a very big beetle. Yes. And that is, oh, that is Sothis, and you can see what type of rock and city that is with how the commerce and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's just from the picture, you can tell. Now, to men... The ruins... Okay. Although Sothis was both Osirian's first and current capital, it was not always so. During the Second Age of the Black Sphinx, the four pharaohs of Ascension ruled from Tumen. Carved into multiple tiers on the side of a stony escarpment, Tumen was said to be possessed to possess a magical source of water, and when this source vanished, the, quick, the city quickly perished. Despite its remote location in the trackless depths of the Underdunes, Tumen is still a frequent destination for treasure hunters. And here, here's the term: Osirianologists alike. Yeah, the ruins of Tumen. It's directly in this. It is due east of Sothis. And southwest of the gardens of Shepeska. There's also more halflings you can shake a stick at here. Yeah, you see, uh, 
Yeah, you would come out here and you'd be basically coming out upon a dune sea with what looks like an abandoned Egyptian city out in the middle of the desert. And so you would get that vibe of just, yeah, I'm going to be getting sand. I'm going to be digging sand out of places my doctor won't go. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to have sand in places I didn't even know I had. That's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, Pismo Beach. Yeah, right. <laughs> the old Bugs Bunny thing. Um, and how many halflings could you shake a stick at anyway? Well, <laughs> according to this, Sophus has a big stick. Or would that depend on the size of the stick? Yeah, that too. But according, uh, according to this, Sophus has over 4,000 halflings. That's a lot of elevenses and, and twoses. <laughs> out of 111,989, 4,000 of those are halflings. Yeah. That's a lot of halflings. Yeah. Uh, according to, uh, yeah. So it's uh, 87,000 humans, 6,000 dwarves, 4,000, almost 5,000 halflings. Uh, and that's a lot. Of, they, yeah. Uh, of course, you know, they probably, they probably run the, they, they probably run the, um, the, uh, the local mob, but you know. Well, no, halflings are also known for hospitality. Oh, come to my place, you know. I got a deal for you. You can't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you would come up, come out upon this particular... out of this warp, and you would see an abandoned Egyptian-esque city. You might see a, um archaeological dig going on there, or it might be abandoned. It just depends. But yeah, that would be where you would come out on that and see what that, and off in the distance to the what to your right, which would be the west, you would see Sothis. You can't miss it. It has a giant beetle carcass in the middle of the city. That's not something that is inconspicuous at all. Okay, what well, was it again? That was the ruins of El Amara? Where's that at? No, I'm just saying the name of the ruins again. The ruins of... Two men. Two men, ah. T-U-M-E-N. I yeah. got you. There you go. I was not finding it in the list, in the listings. Yeah. All right. Now, Portal 7 listed as Cold Tundra. Oh, that's up north, isn't it? Yeah, very much up north on the edge of the Winterwall Glacier in the kingdom of Irisen. Now, Irisen, I got books and papers and maps all over the place. Irisen, land of eternal winter. Oh, yes. Oh, great. Oh, yes. That basically Look what is there. Do you recognize what that is, Pixie? Oh, no. Oh, dear Lord. No, 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 no. For those of you familiar with Russian mythology. No, no, no. If you have heard of... Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga's chicken house. Yeah, Baba Yaga's hut. Oh, my God. <coughs> they put that in RuneScape. That's the first thing I thought of. Baba Yaga was yes. in the old Greyhawk setting. They just brought it back here since it's Russian they, they, Russian mythology. It's not exactly, you know, copyrighted. So that would be up in the crown of the world. Yes. No. No, no. No, no. No, no, no. And what's So on? let's see. I put it south of Holvirgang. In which kingdom? Well, it's in Irisen. Irisen. 
Polvirgang is like right on the Winterwall Glacier. Uh, in the far north, where Irison's icy tundra meets the crown of the world, lies the fortress of Holvirgang, where the frost giant Jarl Grunganir and his white dragon companion rule over all the frost giants of Irison, at least in name. Behind the walls, the caverns of Holvir stretch under the glacial ice to unknown depths, restricted to the giants and their closest allies. The outer bailey of the fortress is open to other races, however, and Holvir gang does do brisk business as a meeting point for barbarian traders from the realms of the Mammoth Lords, fae peddlers from Irison, and traveling merchants from the crown of the world. North Pole, basically. And if you travel through the across the crown of the world, you will end up in the northern part of the Dragon Empires. Interesting. The, the listing for crown of the world does not actually list the Winter Wall Glacier. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. Jarl Grunganir is a staunch ally of Queen Elvana, seeking regular levies of frost giant household warriors, uh, Druzhenics, to serve in the Queen's armies. Popular rumor holds that Grunganir, well known as the devotee of the demon lord Kachki, chafes under the rule of mere women, however, and has his own designs upon the throne of Irison. Well, yeah, if you've got a white dragon companion, yeah, you got you got some you know powerful guns there. Yeah, but a devotee of the demon lord Kotchki. Now, Kotchki, yeah, I believe his stats are in Vestiary 4. He's got mythic ranks. That's all we need to say. <sighs> but yeah, you would be coming out there and be like, okay, yeah, I think we saw on the pylon that the really cold light was on the, on the pylon. Now I see why. Uh, yeah, you're dealing with, um, let's see, fey traders, humans, frost giants... That says it all for me, folks. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.